0: Coincidence. Welcome to Random Coincidence, I'm your host, Jacob Carlins, and this is the first episode. Uh, the idea for this podcast is really things that are happening with me, my ideas, thoughts, reflections on current events, things I've noticed. Uh, And I'm going to start off right now with uh, stuff that I've figured out that I don't really like. So I think um, I'm 35. I think a lot of people by my age uh, have done a pretty good job of figuring out for themselves what they enjoy in life and what they really don't enjoy Uh that's um that can occasionally be a painful process I think sometimes really surprising but um, uh, for the most part I think it's sort of a gradual thing with getting a little bit older maybe maturing a little bit uh, starting to figure out that there are certain things in life that you thought you were supposed to do or like that you don't need to do necessarily, that you don't like. There are certain things that you felt were expected of you, um, that you were told were expected of you. Um, Maybe certain, uh, maybe you call them cultural projections, things that everyone else is doing, or you feel like everyone else is doing, things you might see in advertisements that suggest this is the way it's done. That that kind of thing. At a certain point in life, I think a lot of people start realizing that that's nonsense. They don't need to. They don't need to do that. Um, the thought that just popped into my head is there. There must be. There must be some people out th- out there, who to a certain degree, do the opposite, who um, are just really big fans of popular culture. Um, Everyone has everyone has their, their eccentricities, I think. So I don't think anyone is sort of a complete pop culture uh, robot. But I would imagine there are people out there who actually sort of, you know, listen to big radio stations, watch network television, read, you know, uh, Newsweek and National Enquirer and so on, and really actually genuinely enjoy it, not like people who do that. Uh, without thinking and don't actually get that much out of it, but people who actually do like it and get a lot out of it. But uh, uh, a lot of people don't and, and find that. Um, and this is not not even in the vein of rejecting pop culture or disliking certain things, but just, uh, you know, over the process, o- over the course of time, people um, tend to figure out what they like and what they don't like. So uh, quickly here, a list of stuff that I realized I don't like, starting with steak. Um they're definitely proponents of steak out there. I've found that, um, it's weirdly enough the, the process of like cooking a steak to me is a lot more interesting and satisfying than actually eating it. You know, getting a steak, preparing it with, um, salt and pepper, um, putting it in the pan, hearing it sizzle, turning it over, you know, and all, all the whole thing of cooking it is actually kind of cool, but, um, even just picking it out in the store, trying to find a good one, but actually eating it—it's just like, it's just—it's just meat. Uh, I, I'm not a vegetarian, but somehow just eating a, a piece of steak doesn't doesn't do it for me. Oh, uh, other stuff. Most TV, I watch. I watch too much TV sometimes. I'm definitely a TV watcher. I can't say that I just read books or that I do other stuff, but most tv just seems not fun to watch it's not it's not enjoyable it can't hold my attention uh when a show actually holds my attention where i get the thing where i'm sort of have the tv on there's something on i'm trying to watch and i'm zipping in and out of the room to cook or make tea or or do some little chore and i feel compelled to come back in to not miss something that's pretty unusual for me most of the time and that's sort of a signal that i found a really good show That's, uh, most of the time, that's not the case. Uh, Let's see. What else? Spending time with people I don't enjoy. Um, I don't have a whole lot of friends right now, which is kind of, a. in the midst of this segment, it's kind of an oddly personal thing to admit to. Uh, I definitely wish I had more friends. At the same time, part of that is due to the fact that I figured out that I don't, like spending time i don't like sacrificing my time and energy to people i don't uh i don't enjoy i don't like talking to uh that took that took a while to figure out uh let's see what else certain areas certain places uh i guess i have kind of a mental list of places i don't really like So, the obvious ones would be places that I feel like are are, are dangerous or seedy, unpleasant, dirty uh, for the most part. You know, if it's a high crime area, that's not like a fun place to hang out. But interestingly enough, a lot of um, really safe, middle class or wealthy places uh, somehow just don't do it for me. Uh, You get kind of a vibe. So, I'm not going to go through the whole list. Right now, although at some point it might, it might be more interesting to it might be interesting to, to go into a little more detail about places and what I've experienced in various places. Um, yeah, yeah, talk about places a little bit more. I'll definitely do that in the future. But just uh, the fact that I have a mental list of places I like and places I don't like, and I'm not uh, opposed to expanding that list and traveling a little bit, trying out new new places going around but um yeah sort of the idea of paying attention to your intuition and your uh yeah so in, in a weird way this uh whole segment is really just about intuition in a certain sense your first thought so if you go into a restaurant a lot of times you can just tell right away if it's your kind of place or if it's not uh, which is not to say that it's objectively a good or bad place, but is it a good place for you or a bad place for you? Same thing with a, a city? Uh, it kind of sends out a message right away. Is it for you or is it not for you? Let's see, oh, sugar-based candies <laughs> I, I, I feel like uh, when I was younger, I used to I used to. Um, I used to kind of enjoy candy, like, you know, like hard candy, let's say, um, um, uh, gum with sugar in it, uh, peppermints, um, I think of other examples here, oh, non-chocolate candies basically, um. You know, and and I I feel like over as I got older, somehow it just started to make my body feel really weird. I would get kind of a stuffy nose, sore throat going just from eating, a a, a, you know, like a a box of it, Uh, like a large box, like, you know, like one of the like $1 boxes or uh, one of those things, one of the little bags. So sugary, any non-chocolate candy. For the most part every once in a while I still go back, go back and get those uh, it's like black and red raspberries they're these chewy fake candy raspberries that have little crunchy dots on the outside I know I, pretty sure most people who are hearing this can picture that right away or if they can't they've never they've never had them in their life um, but that's like the one exception to that those are pretty good although it still makes my body feel pretty weird those are not bad hmm uh obnoxious dogs that's more of that's not exactly the same thing you know nobody likes obnoxious dogs I have a real thing against dogs who are just like shitty and poorly trained
1: hmm.
0: politics in general I've become... Pretty apolitical recently. Uh, I was a kind of unthinking liberal for a long time just based on my family background. The kind of thing that happens to a lot of people where their parents are Democrats or Republicans and they become a Democrat or Republican and it just continues on and uh, just uh, definitely this last election cycle drove that home but it was developing before that. Just seeing that I, I feel like politics can be important maybe in some ways, local politics are can, can be very important and a good way to work and try to help other people. But generally speaking, it's just a, it's kind of a weird form of entertainment. It seems to involve a lot, a, a lot of anger, a lot of stress and anger, and divisiveness and gossip and just uh, negativity overall. That doesn't usually lead to good stuff. Not that one shouldn't vote, I just registered to vote online, which is amazing that you can do that now. I don't know how long that has been in place, but I'm uh, appreciative of the fact that I can register to vote online. But uh, getting involved in a lot of political debate, even exposing yourself to a lot of political uh, opinion seems like uh, oddly dangerous to your mental health. i was just looking up um a particular artist i want to see play but for me for the most part seeing bands play seeing artists play not not so much fun i don't like it i love music i listen to music constantly uh i'm always looking for new music to discover uh, going back to music that i listened to in the past uh making up playlists but actually seeing a band play i don't know maybe maybe i'll get it at some point maybe i'll, I'll just relax more and Feel more comfortable around people to the point where it becomes a really good thing. Um, but for me, money is definitely an issue there too. You know, being able to afford a ticket, uh, tickets aren't cheap. Even the cheap ones aren't cheap. But uh, yeah, seeing seeing a band play. Uh, you know, part of the idea with talking about this is that uh, to me it feels really really positive that you can get to the point in your life where you can realize there are certain things you kind of built up. Uh, and expectation and guilt around that you feel like you needed to do that you weren't doing you realize that you didn't need to do them and that feels good so kind of feeling like oh man why don't I ever go to a show why don't I ever see a band play why don't I have that kind of fun going on in my life and then realizing well you know there are other kinds of fun that I engage in there are other things that I do Um, that kind of uh, expectation is not exactly uh, it doesn't match up with reality exactly because that's not something that uh, that I generally want to do that much (sighs) having a having a great car I remember I talked to someone at a job I had uh, a couple years ago just a temp job I think it was I think it was there. God, I'm having trouble remembering the details of it now, but I'm pretty sure I had this experience at a temp job where I was working for a photo, I was like a school photo company. They were in charge of taking people's school, uh, their their school photos and then sending them out to people, sorting them and sending them out. It was kind of a weird job, just a a short term, a couple of months temp job, talking to this one guy who was, was really macho in certain ways. and. Uh, I remember at one point saying, you know, I told, I told him I had never. It's funny, I told him I never fired a gun, and he was really shocked. He's like, "How can someone call themselves a man if they never fired a gun?" I said something like, "Well, that, that's pretty judgmental." Um, kind of odd moment. But then now thinking back on, it, I realized that I have actually fired guns. Uh, at one point when I was like 20, 22, uh, I, I, I visited a friend of mine from college, and he was he was living in Maine. And he uh, took me and maybe one other friend out to a gun range. And I fired a gun there. Uh, It was, you know, a little odd. wasn't that much fun. wasn't terrible. Um, So that's funny. At that time, I'd forgotten that I had done that. Uh, But this same gentleman at the job who was shocked that I had never fired a gun, even though I had actually fired a gun. um, Something about cars. Him talking about, like kind of cars I was into or like what kind of car did I want to get like if I you know in the future if, if I could uh, save up money or something and me just being like I don't, I don't care about cars and again this guy being kind of surprised by that um, yeah uh, another experience at a car dealership where I was at where, my wife and I have a Toyota Corolla just a really Cheap, basic, functional, very reliable, decent car. Uh, it's held up pretty well, except for the fact that I've I've crashed into stuff a couple of times. Um, no accidents, luckily, um, except for the one little scrape that my wife got into. with other car I just kind of dented the door a little bit. But as far as I go, I've just, you know, backed into a rock one time or in a parking lot. I hit like a little a lamppost, like a little concrete. Uh, like a concrete structure that had been built around a lamppost I think, um, in the process of buying the Toyota Corolla, going to a Honda dealership at one point and talking to the guy, and the guy asking me, like, what kind of, you know, what kind of cars are you into? What do you want out of a car? And me just saying, I don't care. I really don't care. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I was in a kind of a weird mood at that moment. Like, uh, just, uh, sometimes when you're about to buy something, especially something big. I you, you, you can feel a kind of freedom or, or power you kind of relax in a way because you're in a power position you're about to buy something the person talking to you uh, may you know I, I don't know if I'm describing it well but you, you can feel a kind of relaxation at, at that point maybe because you, you are you do have a certain kind of power if you're about to spend a whole bunch of money um. But just, just driving, taking the test drive with this guy, with this salesman, him asking me, you know, what do you want out of a car? And me just saying, I just don't care. And has to drive. He has to get me from point A to point B. And this guy seeming to be surprised by that, although I'm sure he'd heard that before. Uh, but, yeah, you're realizing that, that cars really don't matter to me at all. Sports. Sports as well. But that that I've I've known for a long time. That's not like a thing that I figured out. Actually, what's what's interesting is that I figured out that I can actually enjoy sports a little bit. So like going to a game, that can be all right. It's not like uh, it's not something I love, but going to a baseball game, us, uh, um, can think of it for a, second, a basketball game that can be kind of fun. I've done that with my wife a couple of times. We got uh, we got some free tickets to see. Excuse me. To see the Red Sox, to see the Celtics, uh, that's been that's been enjoyable. I think that's it for this one. I'm I'm thinking here. I'm trying to drag up some other things that I've found. Uh, Apparently, they're fewer than I thought. Maybe I'll come back to this in future uh, future episodes. But I think that's about it for this one. This one will be very brief. Uh, Hard to get started on this one. Um, Something I listened—I've listened listened to quite a few podcasts. I'm sure, um, I'm sure a lot of people have at this point. Uh, You know, there's some that I've listened to for years and that I've really grown attached to. They've become almost like friends or family. They've become a part of, of my life. There's some podcasts that I listened to for a while. Uh, I just kind of got bored with them. They fell away. Uh, other podcasts, I, I sort of got frustrated with. Uh, the particular lot of podcasts that I listen to, a lot of times, uh, you'll find people complaining about political correctness and the left. Uh, So this is sort of in that vein. And because this is something that's been talked to death in certain ways, I don't want to just repeat what other people have said because it's boring. Uh, It doesn't move that conversation forward in any way. Um, And it's repetitive. And that's something uh, I want to avoid. Uh, also, just in terms of what I say, because I think thinking back, I'm realizing that I've recorded about 30 podcasts total. This is the first episode of this one, but uh, with other stuff that I've done, I've recur- recorded 25 or 30 other podcast episodes, maybe. And I think there was a fair amount of unconscious repetition in those, uh, not just sort of verbal tics, saying "like" or "um," but repetition of ideas without realizing it. Uh, A lot of times because of being nervous, not being sure what to say, and having to feel feeling like I had to fill time and space. Uh, It's interesting seeing that about myself because that's something I always found fault with for my father. Uh, He's sort of famous for retelling old stories uh, in, and kind of corny jokes sometimes but especially old stories and anecdotes Uh, and he has a pretty good sense of humor about it if you call him on it he'll say oh he'll laugh at himself and it's not not really a big deal but um, I'm seeing that in myself in a weird way not just in terms of podcast recording and creating creating art but uh, just in terms of my conversation, looking at me talking to my wife specifically and realizing that I'm repeating myself a lot. she just kind of, uh, for the most part puts up with it, but seeing that and for a long time, not even realizing it, um, uh, in terms of this, uh, segment, which is getting a little bit longer than I anticipated already. I don't want to repeat myself too much. Um. Uh, here here's where I'm coming from with this so with the political correctness debate uh, in terms of uh, what are called safe spaces this is a this is clearly a somewhat complex issue there are a lot of factors involved Uh, like with the whole political correctness thing in general there are reasons for its development Uh, the biggest one being the existence of really terrible bias and racism in society and the need for that to be fixed, for that to be alleviated, which nobody could really argue against. If anyone's arguing against the existence of that, they're clearly from the start, they're out of their minds. At the same time, they're, uh, the, the reactive nature of political correctness and the way political correctness has been wielded as a kind of weapon by the left uh, has its own issues. I'm just gonna share a couple of things that are that are personal um, to me that are recent and personal and I think are somewhat relevant to this so uh, as, as most people know I think the, the uh, just like a lot of activism at least at least in the second half of the 20th century a lot of activism came out of college campuses. The political correctness thing dovetailed with that. It connected to that. It largely came out of college campuses. Um, Same with the recent uh, issues and debate over so-called safe spaces, places where people can feel not judged, feel free to talk as they want, debate as they want uh, not feel like they're being, um, harmed or bullied or harassed in any way. I hope I'm describing that well enough. I could be off in some way, but that's my sense of what it means to have a safe space. Um, I, I'm sure it extends on a grosser level to things like physical safety, um, issues with sexual harassment and even rape. Obviously at that larger level, it's a no-brainer. It has to happen. There has to be physical safety. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about another level. I'm, talk- I'm talking more in terms of discourse and speech, conversation. Um, so uh, I- I'm in school. I'm in school at a very small liberal arts school in Boston. Um, and for me, the interesting thing is I've never I've never really been talked to directly. I never heard people talk much about the idea of safe space, although I definitely. Uh, get the sense that that's something people are trying to create. Uh, my, my One of my first big surprises with that was having being asked at the start of my first semester, which was last semester, being asked at the start of the first semester what my preferred gender pronoun was. So we started off the two classes I was in that semester with introductions. The professors asked us to say what our names were, a little bit about ourselves, I think, and then what our preferred gender pronouns are. So he, him, she, her, they, that kind of thing, uh, and that was that was really shocking for me. That was a big surprise, and uh, I went along with it. And it's uh, in a certain sense not a problem at all. It's not a big deal, but that was that was surprising. I think that goes along with the idea of trying to create safe spaces for people who uh, have issues with the way gender has been um, talked about in American society. Um, so my point there, again, is that safe space, trying to be created, in many ways positive, uh, in some ways seems, seems odd, uh, although some of that's definitely just, you know, how old I am. I'm not a millennial. I'm 35. I'm new to this kind of world and this sort of discussion. But then I had just very strange experiences with class discussions. Okay, so my my what I'm trying to underline again is that there's this effort to create safe spaces, but then I find myself in classes where the professors can be incredibly rude, incredibly rude in odd ways, like a professor last semester who was in the habit of laughing at students to their faces, just sort of chuckling or laughing sarcastically, sarcastically laughing derisively. I don't know if it's possible to laugh sarcastically. That, That that seems like you have to say something with a kind of ironic meaning to be sarcastic, but to laugh derisively, to laugh at students when they got the wrong answer, to sort of say things like, no, that's that's wrong, that's not right. Um, uh, which would then create these very awkward silences in which no one wanted to jump in. This professor would ask questions of students or of the class in general. No one would want to answer or start a discussion because they were afraid of being laughed at or they didn't feel like putting themselves out there. Um, so I, I'm not one to complain about the absence of sp- safe spaces. I'm not one to say this didn't feel safe. That that seems like um, that, that kind of complaint is something you reserve for really extreme cases, right? Like you save that kind of... Uh, To me, I would save that kind of complaint unless someone was being harmed in a really serious way. Uh, On the other hand, to have this very liberal college campus where safety is being encouraged, these extremely liberal values are... are, They've soaked into the walls. They're in the air. At the same time, these same people, these same professors who I know to be totally... Very, very feminist, deeply feminist. I, I'm pretty sure deeply liberal, based on the little things they've thrown in about the uh, presidential campaign, which I don't mind. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I'm basically I basically agree with them in terms of uh, the way the 2016 presidential campaign is headed. But very, very liberal. Uh, I would assume somewhat invested in the safe space idea. insulting students to their faces, laughing at, laughing at students, putting students down, creating this, this deep sense of discomfort and awkwardness in a classroom. And, and most importantly, discouraging open, free, um, and friendly discussion. That's just very strange. And, but the strangest part is that I think that goes, they go together sometimes. Uh, and this is where I'm going to try to avoid getting into the area of repetition. But one thing you do hear when people who are not exactly uh, liberal complain about liberal political correctness is that somehow it often goes along with re- being really mean, lacking being lacking in compassion. That there's a sort of impulse to be compassionate, create a compassionate space for living and discussion, and somehow it backfires horribly and creates a total lack of compassion, a lack of kindness, uh, which is just a terrible irony. Um, And what I would be interested to hear is that among groups of people who are generally liberal and, and in line with liberal ideas, don't find them ironic or problematic, where's that in terms of the discussion, the irony of safe space discussions being uncompassionate. Are there people who are starting to see that? Um, are there, is for the most part, is it seen as some kind of fluke or um, error that just happens every once in a while? Or is, is that somehow starting to be seen as part of the fabric of this kind of liberal discourse? Um, another Another example from this semester is having a professor um, be generally sort of confrontational with students and extremely confrontational with me. Uh, asking at one point, walking sort of close to me in class from you know where he was in the front of the classroom near the little table on the podium and the, the board, walking fairly close to me and asking in a very loud voice, Jacob, do you feel that women should be dominated and in, uh, in, so during this class, I had made a point of questioning what was going on. Uh, students students shaking their heads at what seemed to be sexism in uh, some works that we were reading in class. So, so um, reading works, um, I don't want to get too specific here because I don't want to sort of draw this into my actual life in, in that way. But works of criticism that were uh, about 100 years old. Fairly well known, but could definitely be read as sexist. And I sort of uh, I did what they call pushing back. I pushed back on that. I was disagreeing with some students who were shaking their heads and saying this seemed very sexist, and trying to be fairly gentle about it, saying, well, what's wrong with that? Why why is that? Why is it wrong to talk about uh, in this particular passage my wife? Um, and then students explaining it to me. There was a little bit of back and forth. But anyway, uh, my point there is that I, during that class, I had made it clear that I wasn't totally with the rest of the class in terms of their being super feminist or super liberal. And then it seemed like as a, as a result of that, and I was talking too much in class, so that, that was probably probably a big part of it. But as a result of that, and as a result of being too vocal in class, Having the professor come up to me and accusing me of trying to dominate women, which is which is weird. And you know, I'm gonna wrap this up in a sec. But weird, just because it seemed like an example of the professor's complete lack of maturity. You know, just losing their temper in a college classroom with 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 adults. You know, not with like a not with like a seven year old or a ten year old, where you, the discipline might be a little bit stricter you know, getting a classroom online, classroom management and all of that. Um, not the student, not the teacher should be gruff or yelling generally, but I think you know what I mean. But just a total lack of maturity on the professor's part. But, uh, but just, just the, from, from what I saw, from what I perceived there, the understanding that if someone doesn't agree with this kind of liberal idea, that it's okay to try to to put them in their place in a really aggressive way, in a very, very angry, aggressive way. Uh, And somehow that's coming, again, out of this fabric of uh, a safe space, uh, which is just really, really odd. And so, you know, clearly I, I have some ideas about that. I have ideas about how... Discussions should happen generally in a nice way. That's really the, the, the main idea there. But I wanted to talk about that a little bit. the, the, the Political correctness, safe spaces, and how they seem to backfire. Um, and it's funny. I'm not sure what the, the next steps will be in terms of people discussing this. Um, sometimes it seems like Coming up with catchphrases, hashtags, buzzwords, is what moves things along, or it's like the next moment in terms of a public discussion of something, whether it's political or not. But really, uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how much society ever gets less angry and aggressive. Um, aside from being actually violent or not violent in terms of people's discussions does it actually get gentler or or is there just sort of a general level of aggression and meanness that goes on it's just part of being a human being in society that you have to try to learn from and put up with be patient with um because again the, the the real point seems to be that people just need to be more kind polite understanding of each other At this point, it seems like I'm getting to, to the place where I, in this segment where I, I just feel like um, not hopeless exactly, but um, not especially hopeful in terms of improving things because it, it begins to feel very idealistic. The, the hope that you can transform society in any kind of meaningful way to just make people nicer to each other or more open-minded, more, uh, compassionate. It's something that I, I believe is worth trying for. Although at the same time, I just, if you look at your life and the way things have been, and my life hasn't been hard, but if you look at your life and then you look at the history of the world, trying to hope that things will somehow turn into some kind of, uh, nirvanic, beautiful, perfect, uh, heaven of a society does not seem to be real. I'm going to start, I think, trying out uh, a new ongoing series of, um, I don't know what you call it, a new segment for this podcast called Messy Astrology. The idea with that is, um, hold on, I'm going to shift here so I can, uh, I can lie down in bed and record this at the same time. So the idea with the Messy Astrology part is, um, I've I've always been interested in uh, kind of New Age stuff and the occult, and uh, there is a part of me that resists that and thinks that anything New Agey is kind of ridiculous. Uh, actually, my my Buddhism and my meditation practice have gone along with that for the most part. If you know um, anything about my other podcast or my my writing, I'm a huge Fan of Chogyam Trungpa, and one of his biggest teachings was on spiritual materialism. Um, he was he was teaching mostly in a, a time and in a culture in America, late sixties into the seventies, where where there was a new age hippie thing happening and spreading one of the main things that, that Trungpa taught about was not getting too involved in that, not getting too involved in what he called trips. So not turning really anything, but especially spiritual practice or religious practice into some kind of, um, into some kind of game or uh, some kind of, I want to say adventure, um, although that's not exactly the word I'm looking for, not not turning it into um, a matter of um, thinking of myself here, not, not making it focused on, for instance, spending a lot of time in, in like gift shops, picking out really cool statues and crystals and books and, and collecting all of this stuff. Of course, it's not, uh, this kind of, this kind of idea being against what, what he terms spiritual materialism. Uh, and it's a fairly complex teaching. So I'm kind of, um, giving it short shrift and that, um, I'm not presenting it in, a in enough of a systematic or careful way, but a big part of this idea is that real meditation, real prayer or practice, has very little to do with you know picking out um, um, picking out chakras, picking out uh, cool stuff to go in the meditation room. Uh, and I, as I say this, I realize I just I just did that, but not not devoting not devoting too much time and energy to that kind of thing. Um. Uh, he, one of one of his ideas was was really to put more emphasis on a kind of simple, straightforward sitting practice. So, the idea is he was emphasizing, he was emphasizing, for the most part, just the you know the straightforward, very earthy qualities of sitting, watching your mind watching your breathing uh, and not really getting concerned with things like chakras and third eye and crystals and incense and all, all that kind of thing because uh, there are a couple of problems with that new agey approach. And the main one is probably just that it's, it's kind of a distraction. It's actually kind of a trick. Uh, it's an ego trick to get you to not actually sit down and practice. On the other hand, Uh, I have been interested in stuff like that for a long time, got very into the occult when I was uh, in like, I guess middle into high school um, and sort of tried to practice that stuff without any real success because I never, you know, I never took it upon myself to find a group or a teacher or anything, Um, uh, but have just recently over the last year and a half, two years, have just recently gotten more interested in astrology mainly through uh, online friends through twitter so um, what i was thinking was with the astrology the astrology segment and uh, the name messy astrology is kind of embarrassing i just came up with that on the fly so maybe i'll change that going forward but uh with the astrology segment just to go through what's happening um on the calendar in the next few days maybe even the next week and just offer a few of my thoughts so um and yeah, i sort of started off with a preface about spiritual materialism so uh, although I find astrology very interesting and useful and usually pretty accurate in a lot of ways uh, it's for me it, it was important that it happens in the context of, uh, of basic practice of having a practice uh, that helps me settle down and find myself process um, what's going on in my head uh, all sorts of negative emotions and stress, and um, as part of a whole path that has been set out by by other people. That's not just sort of my own made up thing. Some of it's my own made up thing, but not all of it. So, uh, the first thing for this week is, uh, f- from what I know. Mercury retrograde is just finishing out. I believe um, we just entered fall. So the the equinox happened on Thursday at some point. Uh, I felt a definite shift. I feel like Mercury retrograde, which is traditionally said to be a a time of um, stress, chaos, difficulties in communication, um my experience conflict i get more angry during that time maybe that's partly my own personal thing i tend to tend to get angry um but you know that was it's it's been a god i don't know it feels like 2 to 3 weeks of craziness I don't know if that's been the actual time of this kind of this Mercury retrograde thing, but that's what it has felt like. Oh, also some some health issues, some relatively serious health issues, uh, on the level of like high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Uh, but actually being able to feel it, actually being able to feel it, my my heart doesn't feel so great, or it didn't for a little while. Um, uh, my heart was pounding a little too much, just going upstairs and that kind of thing, um, generally feeling unhealthy, when most of the time my health is pretty good. Um, so two to three weeks of craziness, we hit uh, the um, equinox, fall began. I think it was just around that time, uh, maybe maybe on Friday that it officially ended, and then it was sort of, um, it will be winding down over the the next day or two. I felt a definite shift right at the equinox. I felt like, oh, okay. It's starting to relax. The energy, wherever I go, tends to feel a little bit easier and freer, a little bit more clear. Um, I don't feel as much anger in the air as I was feeling before. uh, That sort of thing. So... The idea with it being messy astrology is I haven't studied this stuff uh, in any depth. I haven't read much about it aside from what I read online, which is not really a whole lot. Uh, But it seemed like somehow uh, the retrograde connected to that shift that happened with the equinox in in an interesting way. So there was a shift in the seasons. It's not always how it happens, I don't think. But... um, no, it's definitely not always how it happens. There, there are various retrogrades that happen that aren't aligned with uh, a change in the seasons. But uh, in this case, it was, and it was really nice to have that <laughs> to have that uh, stop. Um, as far as work, I came very close to quitting my job during l- last week. Um, Lots of, lots of problems on the job, uh, and basically communication problems. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of frustration and stress, a lot of things that have been building up over the last few years. And it wasn't just like I was thinking, uh, this is, this is awful. Like I can't take this. I was actually preparing myself to say the words I quit or I'm done and walk out. So, um, that feeling of being ready to quit dissipated around uh, around Thursday, around the uh, shift into fall and Friday. Um, and, and one of the really odd things was that there was a, a, a real argument with one of my, a really intense bad argument with one of my coworkers at the end of Friday. I guess another communication problem in a certain way. Uh, but one of the really weird things was that somehow, I got I got really upset at the time you know for the next 2 3 hours I was still upset um as I as I always am if it's a really serious argument or a conflict at work where it feels like the stakes are higher uh but then after that it kind of dropped off it just sort of it just sort of dissipated I felt fairly steady um and even throughout as I was getting upset there was a certain steadiness that um I was somehow able to maintain I wish I'd been able to get more of that and not get upset at all or argue at all. But uh, I feel like that was probably, at least in part, related to that change, that movement away from retrograde. So let me look at the calendar here. Oh, um, so this is, I'm recording this. I should probably have said, first of all, when I'm recording this. I'm recording this on September 24th. third, the third day of fall. Tomorrow, Sunday the 25th will be in the Tibetan calendar uh, Dakini day. Uh, Dakinis are these figures traditionally talked about in Tibetan Buddhism sort of um, they represent and embody a kind of chaotic, playful, mischievous, witchy energy. Uh, sometimes you, hear, you read stories or you hear stories about famous meditation teachers who encounter these female spirits, uh, usually it's female spirits, the Dakinis, and uh, they'll shake them up. They'll, they'll test them. They'll have to um, debate with them or fight with them in some kind of contest in order to gain access to a higher level of teaching and understanding or prove themselves. Uh, or, or they can just kind of cause trouble. They can just mess things up. So uh, in a certain way, that kind of energy, that, that, that crazy, wild, playful energy is gonna be more uh, present tomorrow. Um, and there's certain practices that uh, that Vajrayana Buddhists do on days like that. Uh, yeah, M- my, own, my own theory is that that kind of energy has something to do with creativity. Um, a lot of times I think artists are said to be in touch with a more, more feminine quality, their feminine side. And that's the same kind of idea that, that being in contact with that, that wild, uh, and also feminine kind of energy leads to creativity. Um, I wish that it was always that way that I could always count on that to be like a day where I felt very inspired and creative. That's not always the case, but it does seem to happen sometimes. There's some connection there between those two things. I'm not sure why, but there does seem to be a connection. Maybe it's that that kind of playful energy does not work so much in terms of logical mind, and logical mind is, is in a lot of ways anathema to creativity. Creativity happens uh, through intuition and feeling and um, just mixing ideas together instead of trying to logically plot them out okay so so that's that's Sunday Dakini day Um, according to one Tibetan calendar that I was looking at um, it's also gosh maybe I should pull it up no let me skip that Uh, so I won't go too much into detail with that but that's the kind of day that it'll be looking seeing as we're not too far away from Mercury retrograde and I think the Tibetan calendar I was looking at would bear this out. It's going to be a little bit of a chaotic uh, day and probably um, in in some negative ways. Uh, there's a good possibility things will go a little bit off the rails. The sort of shakiness and unpleasantness of Mercury retrograde uh, is still, still playing out. There are sort of echoes of it happening, I think in a number of ways the energy is still being felt um, although it's it's much less intense and that combined with the Dakini day it's gonna mean that things are gonna be a little bit wild and maybe fun and playful but there's still there's still a chance of miscommunication problems unpleasant chaos as opposed to as opposed to uh... pleasant chaos so i'm looking at a Twitter list that I have here of astrology, just sort of glancing through it.
1: Hmm.
0: So it looks like today is a good day to stay in your comfort zone, which is interesting. That's that's what I've done today. And um, I do that a lot. I mean, it's not like I... I'm not traveling all the time or, or um, skydiving. So, so I do do that a fair amount. But um, just thinking about the, the places that I've been to today, the gym, uh, stop and shop to get some bleach for laundry in the sink, uh, um, seeing seeing my sister and uh, my brother-in-law, It's places very close to home and things I'm pretty familiar with. So that, that seems to fit. And that's one reason I like studying astrology. I don't know, studying is the right word. I like, I like um, getting information about astrology and seeing it um, because it's one of those things. It's like, it's like feng shui. Um, and I know people tend to make fun of that kind of thing, but uh, it's one of those things when you, when you look at it a little bit, it just seems to match up with your experience. That's what I find. Okay, another another account is talking about um, being sensitive, inward, um, s- still staying in the comfort zone. Uh, which is good because I've decided to stay home and work on this podcast and other stuff. So it seems like I was a little bit tempted to try to go out and do stuff. It's such a nice day and it's the weekend and so on. But I think um, heading in this direction. Um, trying to be a little creative, staying in more, taking it easy. This is going to work out. Okay, so I think I'll just do one one last one. Uh, there's one Twitter account that I follow, which is just great. It seems to combine Chinese and Western astrology. So if if you don't know, um, there are different kinds of astrology. Again, I, I'm no expert on this at all, but there are different kinds of astrology. Tibetan astrology is one thing that I've been learning a little bit about. Uh, there's Chinese it, all over the world. I think there were um, there have been traditions. Relating to uh, the stars and planets, to astrology, and how they affect people, what they mean. So there's an account that I follow that uh, that combines Chinese and Western, which is great because the Chinese and the Tibetan all seem to seem to dovetail in some ways. Um, I think they're similar. So. Um, the perspective this person is offering on, uh, on these matters on astrology. It's, uh, it's a nice balance, I guess, or it combines, uh, some of my different astrological interests. Anyway, it's basically this saying the same thing that the other people were saying, uh, today is a good day to take care of yourself, turn inward, um, take it easy, that sort of thing. Uh, okay. Just thinking how to wrap this up. I mean, I think one thing is that people look to arts like these or say reading tarot cards as a, a way to get them to do the things they already were inclined to do. So if someone reads the tarot cards for you and they show you a card and say this could mean um, big changes in terms of your life, maybe uh, where, you, where you live, you could be moving. If someone was already thinking about making a move to another place, another city, another state or country, seeing that could just be the uh, the spark that gets them to actually take action and do what they were already thinking about. And I think that's really positive. Um, and there are a number of ways to look at that. Even if you think that it's just a coincidence that you happen to get that card, uh, and, you're using that coincidence to push yourself towards something you were already uh, you already had on the back burner. I think that's great if it's something that you need to do, if something that you that you want to do. Um, and there's kind of a sort of like a pushing yourself, uh, a pushing yourself out of your pushing yourself out of your house type process, a pushing yourself forward process that happens where you you get yourself to look at these things like astrology, like tarot, like any kind of, um, what's it called when you try to tell the future, any kind of future telling where where you're just trying to force your own hand or trying to force yourself to do something that you feel needs to be done. And you just want that little extra bit of convincing. Um, In a way, You shouldn't need that. You should just do what you have to do all the time. But it's so hard. I think everyone procrastinates in some ways. People avoid things that are difficult and unpleasant and scary. Everyone does that to some degree. So uh, it can be helpful to use these things in some ways to get yourself uh, headed in the right direction, to push yourself through those hurdles that you know are there. Do things that you already know you have to do, but you're just too scared to, or you're resisting a little bit. That's not the only thing that's happening when divination is happening, but it's one thing, in my opinion, that's one thing that's happening and it's valuable. Even if you say that there's absolutely no um, uh, magic to it, there's absolutely no objective validity to the process of divining. um, It's just a coincidence. You see that coincidence it sparks something that unconsciously, unconsciously or semi-consciously you've been turning over, then I think that's still great. It can still be useful, um, provided that the change you're thinking about making is a positive one. You never know exactly until uh, after you've done it, but um, at least, at least you're trying something. And I think sometimes you you do know you do know in a certain way. we all have intuition, so we know somewhat, just going back to um the discussion about work, I mentioned work stress around Mercury, the time of Mercury retrograde. I don't know why it's so difficult for me to say that. I feel like that's something I have trouble saying when I'm recording and I have no trouble saying when I'm not recording. There's something weird that happens to my voice when I'm recording. not that it sounds different, but somehow I, I get a little bit nervous, and I have trouble forming words for some for some weird reason. Maybe that's not so strange. Maybe it's normal to get a little bit tense when you know that you're recording yourself. But um, in any case, work and Mercury retrograde. Um, I was I I have been ready to quit, and so just talking about uh, using astrology or divination as a way to get yourself headed in the direction you already wanted to be headed in. Um, one thing that, you know, just, just seeing seeing that going on, feeling it going on at work, seeing, um, seeing these astrologers talking about the possibility that during this time you should be making some big changes, uh, in their words, letting go of things, things coming to an end, that sort of thing. For me, it resonated and I I realized that I do want to find a new job. I wanna quit my job Um, and got me to the point where I was 80% ready to do so. Um, I feel like I was pretty much, I have been justified in that uh, just based on the kind of interactions I've had with people at my job and with my superiors. So it, it pushed me in that direction. My intuition is telling me, and my intuition has been pretty decent the last couple of years. My intuition is telling me that actually, I'm I'm probably not going to leave the job at this point. It's probably not going to happen right now. And it's a weird feeling because uh, there are there are some significant problems there right now, but. In a a weird way, and I'm not sure if this will make sense as I sort of say it, as I'm thinking out loud here, but the uh, process of getting to the point where I'm ready to quit uh, is helpful for me at the job itself. That somehow um, when I'm there, when I'm around other people, those people knowing on some level or feeling, just being around me, sensing, intuiting, feeling that I'm ready to call it quits... Uh, more or less in a moment's notice is useful, if that makes sense. When people can tell that about you, uh, that can give them pause. Not as a kind of bullying thing like, you know, don't mess with me or I'm out of here. But uh, it can give them pause. Uh, it's uh, in a kind of, a, in a quiet way, kind of a power move knowing that in some ways you're justified in leaving. If you need to, you can do that in in a moment. And from there, realizing that you have a little bit more power than maybe you thought you did before. So that's it for this episode of uh, Random Coincidence. I thank you all for listening, and I'll be seeing you soon. COINCIDENCE